The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Gary Parrish, Saturday, March 26, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black cow. Boone is here with me. And please note that the Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's, which is a proud sponsor of the Naismith Award. Jersey Mike's would like to offer congratulations to all the athletes on this season's Naismith Watch List. And we're going to get to that Naismith Watch List toward the end of this episode. And before we're done, we'll also spend a few minutes on Memphis uh, being charged with four level one violations. The notice of allegations was made public earlier on Saturday. If you're watching live on YouTube, Please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. That helps us, so I thank you in advance. And if we get enough likes on this video uh, on YouTube, Nada's going to give away another $100 gift card to Paramount Plus, which is your place to stream NCAA tournament games, the NFL, Champions League, PJ Tour, and some of the best films and shows being made right now. Among them, Halo, which is streaming now exclusively on Paramount Plus. So just shout out. You know, Peacocks or Larnell or Leaky Black or Huck the Dog or Doug Eddard's Mustache. Whatever you want in the comments, leave your Twitter handle, your Instagram handle with your comment. And if you win, Nada will contact you and hook you up. Let's get to it. Two teams. Punch tickets to the 2022 Final Four on Saturday. Villanova was the first 50-44 win over Houston. Duke was the second 78-69 win over Arkansas. Strong jaw. Let's start with the second game. Duke. Arkansas. Coach K wins it now in the final four for the first time since 2015 before a record 13th time in his career. And once again, Duke was fabulous offensively. Um, Texas Tech, which is who Duke played in the Sweet 16, has been the best defensive team in the country, like all season. Since January 9th, which is the day after Arkansas started 0-3 in the SEC. If you run the data from there, top two defensive teams in America, according to adjusted defensive efficiency at barttorvik.com, were Texas Tech and Arkansas. One and two in that order. Duke shot 51.9% against Texas Tech from the field, 54.7% from the field against Arkansas. Just awesome offensively against for more than two months now, literally the best two defenses in America. What do you make of what we saw from Coach K's Blue Devils? Yeah, super impressive. This this Duke team, I think my complaint coming into the postseason was that they have so much talent, maybe more than any team in college basketball. But throughout the season, it didn't really feel like this team got better. And 
you would think with with as many freshmen and young players on this team that you know eventually throughout the year they would start to click they would start to find their roles they'd start to look like you know a potential final four team and we really there were some flashes absolutely but this two team i i never really felt like took the next step and i'm not sure exactly what happened but this Duke team that we've seen in the NCAA tournament looks different. They look so much better than what we saw for most of the regular season. Mark Williams is just dominating teams inside. Palo Bencaro is is scoring at an elite level as he's done all year. I mean, we've talked about Jeremy Roach already just stepping up to the plate. They have so many guys that can come at you. And even against some of the best defenses in all of college basketball, Arkansas tonight, Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. They just keep on moving along, and this suddenly looks like maybe the most dangerous team left standing in the field. Um, was really impressed with how they handled Arkansas tonight. I mean, this this game was was not close. I mean, 78-69, but um, there was really no doubt that that Duke was advancing and doing so in pretty decisive fashion. I'll be interested to see what the updated odds look like uh, for a favorite to win the 2022 NCAA tournament when they update after the Elite Eight because Kansas is a favorite over Miami on Sunday. The Jayhawks are the only number one seed left in the bracket. Uh, They are in the Elite Eight playing a double-digit seed. Uh, Miami can win that game, but Kansas should win that game. And... um, then it'll be, if it goes that way, um, Duke, Villanova, um, and then, you know, you'll have one one seed left in the bracket. Mm-hmm. And it'll it'll be interesting to see if at that point, and then, of course, either North Carolina or, or St. Peter's, and it'll be interesting to see at that point, even if Kansas is the lone one seed left, if Duke is actually the favorite heading into the Final Four, um, to win the the national title. I'm not sure they will be, but certainly based on the way the Blue Devils are playing right now, you could make the case. You know, as we talked about all season, dating back to the preseason, uh, Coach K always was going to, in his final season, have a team talented enough to do the whole thing. I've never said that's why he came back. I don't think it is. I think largely he came back because I don't think he wanted to end in the middle of a COVID season missing the NCAA tournament. That's just not how the greatest college basketball coach in history's career should end. And I don't think, in fact, I was told by people close to him, he just wasn't comfortable with that. And he knew that if he came back, given the recruiting class he was about to enroll, that it wouldn't go that way again. And then, you know, Duke was ranked number one in the country at one point in the season, but, you know, took some real questionable losses. In fact, based on resume alone, and we talked about this on Selection Sunday, um, I don't think Duke should have even been a two seed. Not based on talent. Based on talent, Duke could have been a one seed. But based on actual resume, I I didn't think Duke should have been a two seed. I thought Tennessee should have been a two seed. And if you had to push somebody off that line, it was probably Duke. Because if I remember correctly, Duke had more losses outside of Quadrant 1 on Selection Sunday than all of the two other two seeds plus Tennessee combined. I think Duke had maybe four, and all the two other two seeds and Tennessee combined maybe had one. So Duke did not, I don't think, have a top eight resume, but Duke always had a top eight roster. 
And now I think going into the final four, regardless of what happens on Sunday, Duke is going to go there. This is just the truth with the greatest tournament coach in college basketball history and the best roster in new Orleans. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. And from what we saw against Arkansas, um, again, they're, they're probably not going to be the favorite. I would imagine that the number one seed that's still standing Kansas, assuming they win will, will be the favorite, but um, they have so many guys that they can throw at you between Mark Williams, AJ, AJ Griffin tonight had a very quiet 18 points. Wendell Moore had 14 points. Palo was 16. Mark Williams, 12 points, 12 rebounds, um, tied for the most blocks by a Duke player in an NCAA tournament uh, with 16 blocks after recording three tonight. So uh, just the, the depth that they have, they have so many top end guys. It feels like they're coming together at just the right time. And even coming out of my mouth, that feels a little bit cliche, cliche to say, um, but you know, th- this, again, this, this Duke team, there was never a question about talent. It was a matter of, can the pieces fit together? Can they gel at the right time? Can they play at a high level consistently? You know, we saw it in spurts throughout the season, but now at, at just the right time, Coach K, um, in almost like a storybook kind of ending, and we'll see how the, the rest of the tournament unfolds, is he's got his team kind of completely tuned and, and moving in the right direction. Do we have a sense for whether the country is rooting for this or rooting against this? I think the entire country is invested in this. I would imagine that like, 83.65% is rooting against it. Would you say really? over or under? I would think under. I think like yeah. I know that there's an anti-Duke sentiment and I know that there are people who, you know, it's it's Duke DOOK, you know, that or puke. <laughs> like I got it. I know those people exist. Um and they're still out there. But I do think on some level people love great stories. And great endings. And for the same reasons, even if you didn't love Tom Brady, when you thought he might walk away after that one season in Tampa Bay, the idea of him walking away with the Super Bowl was kind of cool. Now we know he's going to play till he's 70. But at the time, it was like, is this it? And if this is it, wow, what an ending. Like, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I mean, I don't hate him, but like, I don't, you know, I don't care. I'm, I'm indifferent. But even I was like, that's kind of awesome. You know, he left New, New England, went to Tampa Bay. This really might be it. And he just won another Super Bowl. Wow. Amazing. And I do think there's some people, maybe not the Duke haters, but like the people who are indifferent to Duke. Like they, Duke's been a part of their lives forever. And, um, you know, they, they don't love them, but they don't hate them. They're just sort of indifferent. I think those people can probably get behind the idea of, you know what? It would be kind of cool next Monday to watch this guy at the age of 75 walk off with a championship. I do think those people exist somewhere. I don't know how many of them there are, but I, they got to be out there somewhere. Yeah, I think I think there's probably more of those than than I'm probably getting credit giving credit for. There's a lot of just casual college basketball fans who maybe only tune tune in for the NCAA tournament who they tune in and watch a game. You know, they recognize Coach K. They recognize Duke. They may not recognize. I don't know whoever's left standing Kansas. They probably do recognize Kansas, but St. <laughs> Peter's, they certainly don't recognize St. Peter's. Um, so, you know, this is, this is clearly obviously the story of the NCAA tournament going into the final four. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Like I'm, I'm, 
I've got goosebumps thinking about seeing Coach K playing or coaching his his last game as a college head coach. Like seeing that in person next week in New Orleans is going to be pretty sweet. So we now know Duke will be playing next Saturday. Villanova playing next Saturday. Duke will play either North Carolina or St. Peter's, either of which will be awesome. Like um, we've talked about this before, so I won't spend much time on it, but big brands are what actually do big television numbers. It's not, Ooh, isn't George Mason a great story that that's not great for television or isn't VCU going to the final four. Isn't that wonderful? Loyola Chicago. Like that's all fine and fun and unique, but it's not the thing that generates the big number. The thing that generates the big number is Duke, North Carolina. Like that, like that's the thing that, that like, wow. But I gather from talking to people who know more about this than I do, that St. Peter's getting there is not the worst thing in the world because St. Pete, like trivia time. And I'm not oh trying boy. to catch you off guard. I'm just okay. trying to prove a point. I'm just trying to prove a point. Okay. What is, what is you, UMBC beat Virginia first yes. 16 to ever beat a one seed. Great story. What's their mascot? Uh, it's some sort of dog. Uh, I'm going to say it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. That's my point. <laughs> Everybody knows Peacocks. Peacocks it was like close on the dog, though. It's Terriers, I believe. Terriers. There you go. Hey, yeah. But um, but and it might not be, but that's what popped into my head. But th- that's the point. Like, I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. And you weren't either. <laughs> but everybody knows Peacocks. That's so easy. Shaheen Holloway. Is it retreat? Now some people are on uh, YouTube comments saying <laughs> oh, it's no. the retrievers. This is my, it's the retrievers. People are saying I don't know. That's my point. It's like what? Like that was awesome, but like that was just a thing. Peacocks is like taking over. Everybody, everybody. Ah! 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 Everybody's into the peacocks. Shaheen Holloway has been incredible in these in these interview sessions. Um, Doug Eddard's got the mustache going. Like everybody's in love with the peacock story, and so St. Peter's getting there. I don't, you know, to play Duke. I don't think is the worst thing in the world because you've probably got, you know a classic not probably definitely a classic david goliath thing but arguably the biggest david goliath thing we've ever seen in the final four and then of course the alternative to that is duke north carolina two rivals playing in the ncaa tournament for the first time ever in coach k's last season ever i mean what i don't know if you saw the postgame interview with tracy wolfson and she was talking to paulo bencaro who famously in the acc tournament uh, Duke wins, they advance to the finals, and then they're going to play either Virginia Tech or North Carolina. And the sideline reporter, forgive me, I don't remember who was there. I didn't even remember who UMBC's mascot was. And um, and the sideline reporter said, so it's uh, either North Carolina or Virginia Tech tomorrow. Who do you want? And that's a question that gets asked sometimes. It never gets answered. You know, I, we're just, you know, they're both good teams. We're just focused on us. Nobody ever actually answers the question. And Paulo was like, North Carolina. We hmm. want North Carolina. And, of course, then Virginia Tech won the game. And then Virginia Tech beat Duke. And 
whatever. But this time, Tracy Wolfson, it was funny. She asked Paula, she said, so uh, it's either going to be North Carolina or St. Peter's in the final four. Who do you want to play? And he was like, you're not getting me this time. <laughs> he was, he, he like laughed and, or smiled and she laughed and it was really good. But, um, you know, obviously I, I, I think, I think probably Duke, North Carolina, these two forever rivals separated by uh, not very much road. Um, especially given that Carolina ruined Coach K's final game inside Cameron Indoor, I think yeah. clearly that's bigger and that's better. But St. Peter's is awesome too. I like that. Whatever. Like here's here's what I can promise you. No matter who wins on Sunday between Carolina and St. Peter's, that Duke game in the Final Four is going to be incredible. The build up to it, and it will be the second of the two Final Four games. Like whoever Villanova plays. That's coming first because right. the headliner is going to be Duke against either the Peacocks ah! 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 or the Tar Heels. I don't have a Tar Heel impression. I'm sorry. I mean, St. Peter's has already made literally history, NCAA tournament history. They're the, the first 15 seed to ever make it to the Elite Eight. And we remember – Florida Gulf Coast, the other 15 seed who made it to the Sweet 16 before. Uh, Oral Roberts, who last year made it to the Sweet 16. Those are fantastic stories. But what St. Peter's has done getting to the Elite Eight is something that, I mean, it it may very well be the best Cinderella story in NCAA tournament history. So if they're in the Final Four, I mean, that, that's a huge – I think people are turn, are tuning in for that. That's a huge draw. It's still not – Duke, North Carolina, and I know not is with me on this. Um, the draw for those two programs would be so massive. Uh, the buildup would be so spectacular. Uh, Coach K obviously lost to North Carolina in his last game in Cameron Indoor. I mean, just the storylines that abound, the fact that they've never played in an NCAA tournament uh, against each other. Uh, would just be fantastic. I, I really, honestly, I'm not rooting for either team. I think probably uh, our bosses may be slightly rooting for North Carolina. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is uh, either way on Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see because I, I think either matchup is going to be fantastic. The final four. Bigger draw. Yeah. Duke St. Peter's Duke Carolina yeah. or me on TBS just doing peacock sounds over and over again. The last one. I think so. Yeah. Undoubtedly. I think, that's, I think that's probably true. Let's G. move Peacock. on. I actually think that's funny. Whoever <laughs> came up with that, that's really good. G. Peacock is hilarious. It wasn't the prettiest game in the history of the sport, but Jay Wright will take it, I'm certain. Villanova in the Final Four for the fourth time in his career. Two wins away from his third national title. We'll get into that next, but first, a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, hey, YouTube, hey, YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, Make sure to smash the like button like your brand today. That really does mean something to us. So please knock that out. Like I said, wasn't the prettiest game in the history of the sport, but Jay Wright will take it. Final score, Villanova 50, Houston 44. So the Wildcats are in the final four for the fourth time in the past 13 NCAA tournaments, including the third time in the past six NCAA tournaments. Like they basically go every other year now. As Kentucky fans know, John Calipari's Wildcats – haven't been to the Final Four since 2015. Meantime, Jay Wright's Wildcats have been three times since 2015. Strong Jaw, your thoughts on Villanova heading to New Orleans? Yeah, a few uh, stats and nuggets just off the top because I was doing some research for a story for CBS. Uh, since 2011, this is as far back as the College Basketball Reference database goes, teams that scored 50 or fewer points in the NCAA tournament were two and 68. Oh. Two and 68. So now it's three and 68. Villanova became one of those three. Uh, this was not an aesthetically pleasing game by any means. There was a lot of defense, there was a lot of open missed shots. Uh, Villanova, which averages just under 73 points per game, scored 50 points. That's the fewest it has scored in the game since 2018. Houston, which is averaging more than 75 points per game, scored 44 points. It's the fewest it has scored in a game since 2015. And Clark Kellogg postgame said that 14 of Houston's 20 three-point attempts were not contested looks. It finished the game from three-point range, one of 20. Was pretty ugly. There was a lot of defense. Uh, Kelvin Sampson after the game said, "If you had told me before the game that we were going to hold them to 28% shooting from the field and 23% from the three-point line, and we'd lose, I wouldn't have believed you." Uh, our kids guarded. Man, did they guard! Our defense was spot on. We held them to 50, 50 points. We had a lot of opportunities, and they just didn't go in. That happens. Um, there was, uh, I mean, this was this was not a pretty game, but it was a really good win for Villanova. I think the storyline coming out of this one is is the injury to Justin Moore, yeah. Villanova's second leading scorer. Um, Jay Wright after the game said that the X-ray was fine, no broken bones. He said, but it's probably not good for Justin. We're going to get an MRI when we get back, but it's probably not good. Um, so, yeah, so we'll he, see. He I let, think that's he, the huge storyline. Yeah, go ahead. It, I mean, obviously it is. I mean, on one hand, you're celebrating. You're back in the Final Four. On the other hand, you're probably playing in the Final Four without your second leading scorer. And I know you saw it, Justin, you know, on the sideline, 
because this happened late in the game. And, you know, they're celebrating. We're going to the Final Four, and he's on the bench crying. You know, he's in tears because um, my experience with basketball players and injuries is that they know. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't need an MRI. I mean, they, you know, they're going to get one for the confirmation, but they know. And I'm not going to try to diagnose him from a hotel room in New York City, but, you know, it looked like what it looked like. And when Jay said what he said, which is there's nothing broken, but it doesn't look good, um, that suggests that that's a season-ending injury that will require surgery and just a total gut punch because you want that moment. You heard Mike Krzyzewski in the post game say there's nothing like, you know, winning a regional. Like there's nothing like, you know, winning that fourth game in the tournament, you know, if you're in the, uh, uh, you know, if you avoid the first four, it'll be your fourth game. Nothing like winning that fourth game in the tournament and then knowing, man, we're going to go home and then we're going to get back on a plane and we're going to play next Saturday in a dome in the final. There's nothing like that. So if you're Villanova, you want to be celebrating that. And they did, but it was kind of a bummer given that, you know, one of the, I hate to throw around words like this, but these are the type of uh, uh, words athletes throw around all the time. Like one of their brothers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, is, uh, is probably not going to be able to participate, which stinks on a very basic level, but also like, you know, makes winning two more games a lot harder than it otherwise would be. Um, As for the game, like you pointed out, um, you're not supposed to score 50 points and win a regional final. You're not supposed to shoot 28.8% from the field, 23.8% from three, and win a regional final. But they did, in part because Houston was terrible offensively, and we'll get to that. But also in part because Villanova, this is incredible. They win games at the free throw line. 15 of 15 from the free throw line. They're now shooting 83% from the free throw line on the season, which ranks first nationally. And let's take it a step further. Do you know what the record is? Trivia time. Who holds Mm. the record for highest free throw percentage as a team in Division I men's college basketball history? Oh, knee jerk. I want to say like Baylor last year, but that's that was probably not right. Is is it a former? uh, Is it a Jay Wright coach team from years past? No, nope, nope. Happened in the 80s. Was it was it the Retrievers? It was not the Retrievers. That's a good guess, but it was not the Retrievers. I'll give it to you. It was Harvard. 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 Those those smart kids. In 1984, they shot 82.2% for the free throw line. That's the record. (laughs) Baylor shooting 83%. I mean, Villanova shooting 83% from the free throw line on the season after going 15 of 15 against Houston. Villanova could go down as the best free throw shooting team in Division I men's basketball history. So that's how they won the game, despite shooting under 30% from the field, under 25% from three. They were 100% from the free throw line. How about this? Houston attempted more shots, had more made field goals, and had a better field goal percentage. Still lost the game. Sometimes you can have a – um, a better field goal percentage, but lose because you turned it over too much and the other team got way more shots. Houston attempted more shots, had a higher field goal percentage, and still lost the game. And that's because they were one of 20, like you said, from three. Kyler Edwards, 0 of 8. Jamal Shedd, 0 of 5. Taze Moore, only Cougar who made one, and he made one. Um, you know, I, I, Kelvin was terrific post game. So listen, I'm disappointed in 
the loss, but I'm not disappointed in this team, proud of this team. And he should be. I mean, what an amazing season for Houston. Let me ask you this, because on Monday, I'm sure you got the email. We have to turn in ballots for CBSSports.com, first-team All-American, second-team All-American, third-team All-American, um, coach of the year, freshman of the year, player of the year. I'm pretty sure, let me sleep on it, I'm pretty sure Calvin Sampson is still going to be my national coach of the year. Let me make the yeah. case for him real quick. Ranked 15th in the preseason AP poll. Lost two of his top four players in December, including his leading score at the time. Still won his league, still won his league tournament, still made the Elite Eight, beat a Big Ten champ and a Pac-12 champ in the NCAA tournament. Started 11th at Ken Palm, finished second. So they exceeded all expectations in the human polls and in the computers, despite losing two of their top four players in December. Tell me who did, did a better job coaching this year than that. You know, Houston lost two of its top four players in December. Um, Let's people keep saying that. it over and over. People forget that. Anybody yeah. who listens to this podcast will never forget that for the rest of their <laughs> lives. They'll be sitting around on their deathbed, you know, 45 years from now, like, Remember that time Houston lost two of his top four players in December? Crazy. Crazy. What a I wild mean, season that was. I, I committed on the podcast earlier this week that I would be voting Kelvin Sampson for Coach of the Year. Um, I have already cast my vote. It is for Kelvin Sampson just because of what that team was able to accomplish despite, people forget, losing two of their top four players in December. Um, this was, this was a really magical run for Houston and I, I do my best to not be influenced by recency and big picture. I really do believe that Kelvin Sampson was the best coach in college basketball this season. Um, what he was able to overcome throughout the year, what they were able to do in the NCAA tournament, how they were able to play the style that they play, uh, that to me, I think one out. I, I think you can reasonably make a case for Ed Cooley. Uh, if you want to make a case for Tommy Lloyd or Bill Self, I would not argue against you, but Scott Kelvin Sampson. Yeah, Scott Drew. Sure. I think you can make Scott Drew lost four starters from last season title team. Yep. Uh, lost two of his, let's say top six. And it's not two of the top four, but mm. say two of the top six and LJ Cryer and Jonathan Chamwa. Chachawa, midseason, still yep. got a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Like my ballot, my will will be Kelvin Sampson, and then in some order, Scott Drew, Tommy Lloyd, Ed Cooley. I I believe. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I did include Bill Self on my ballot. That may, that's uh, fine too. Like totally makes yeah. sense. I know um, Kansas, Kansas fans may revolt at that. Um, but I think that's fair. He's third on my ballot. Yeah. No, that like in reasonable minds, this isn't one where it seems obvious to me. Like there's only one guy to vote for. But I do think when you go through what I just explained, 15th in the preseason AP poll, lose two of the top four in December, still win your league, league tournament, make the Elite Eight, beat a Big Ten champ and a Pac-12 champ in the NCAA tournament. Started 11th at Ken Palm, finished second at Kim Palm, despite losing two of the top four in December. Like, that's that's outrageous. Like, we yeah. might 
go another 20 years without being able to say that those sentences about somebody. Lose two of your top four in December. Let's set the criteria now, and, if, and let's see if we can ever revisit this. Lose two of your top four, let's say, before January 1. Still win your league. Still win your league tournament. Still go to the Elite Eight and finish higher in the human balls and higher in the computers than you were predicted to be in the preseason. That's hard to do. It's not happening again. It's Maybe probably not happening again. again. Yeah. Not, might not ever happen again. So congrats to Houston on an incredible season, even, even if I know uh, the Cougars are disappointed having it come one short, uh, one win short of the Final Four. And Villanova, again, I, I, I do want to because circle back to the Wildcats because I feel like – you know, we talked about an injury and then we um, made our cases for Kelvin Sampson and just sort of glossed over, you know, Villanova won the game. And it wasn't their best performance, but you take wins at this point in the tournament, however you can get them. And, I mean, I don't know what more you can say about Jay Wright other than he is uh, on the very short list of people running the very best programs in America right now. Like Villanova and Kelvin made this point heading into this game. Like Villanova has always been good. Nobody had to take Villanova and you know from the dumps to greatness. You know, Villanova won a title in 85. You know, Villanova has been a relevant basketball program basically my entire life. But Jay has undeniably taken it to another level. And when you do three final fours in a six-year span, now just two wins away from your third national championship. Like one national championship's amazing. Two puts you on a relatively short list. Three mm-hmm. puts you on a very, very, very short list. And obviously, I don't know if they'll be able to get there. This thing is actually, if Kansas gets there, starting to open up for Kansas. Yep. I mean, that, like, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Kansas um, is going to play a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight and then play a team in the Final Four if they win that game that's going to be probably missing at second-leading second, second score. Like this, and they'll go to New Orleans as the only number one seed left. Like this thing is starting to open. It's one of those deals where, you know, Kansas was either the third or fourth number one seed, depending on who you talk to. Um, I think, according to the selection committee, third, Baylor four, but like people could argue that other direction. Um, There was not a single point in the season where anybody ever said Kansas is the best team in the country or Kansas was number one or Kansas was you know, atop the computers. But now they got a chance to, if they beat a double-digit seed on Sunday, go to the Final Four as the only number one seed, and their national semifinal game will be against a team that is missing its second-leading score. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put any pressure on Bill Self because, like, you know, whatever. But it's sometimes in this sport you have the best team, and you don't win. Sometimes in the sport you might not have the best team, but it kind of opens up for you, and you got to walk through it. And Kansas is at a point right now where it looks like maybe you need to walk through this thing. Yeah, in the in the Midwest, I think that that region was kind of the one that I had circled before the tournament as the most easy to advance among all one seeds. Now Arizona had a path that I thought could be pretty viable, and same with Gonzaga. Um, but to me, Kansas in that Midwest region with Johnny Davis hurting as the three seed for Wisconsin, Auburn, the number two seed in that, in that region, obviously stumbling down the stretch and they flamed out early. That always looked to me like the, the easiest path. And now 
you know, if you're a Kansas fan, getting to the final four is, is the bar if you're Kansas. Right. But now I think if you're a Kansas fan, like you're going to be disappointed if you don't win at all. This, this feels like it's starting to open up for the Jayhawks and they've, they've obviously, they've got some steps to go before they can do that. They have to win in the elite eight before they can get the final four and they have to win in the final four. They go to the national championship, but uh, the way this tournament has completely opened up for Kansas is just an absolute gift. And I do find it interesting the fact that just a few years ago, the the pandemic year, uh, Kansas, right. I think, would have been the favorite to win the national championship. I think they would That's have right. been the number they one have, overall They would have been the number seed. one overall. Yes, they would have been the number Easily. one overall seed. They, they were number one at Ken Palm. So yep. if that tournament would have been played and gone as projected – can Bill Self would have two right now and maybe on his way to three. Yep. Yep. So, and, and that's, I actually found it interesting because I don't remember who it was. I think, I believe it was Ochai Baji. Some, one of the Kansas players mentioned today or this weekend that they're playing for the 2020 team because they felt like, you know, they missed an opportunity to, to really put Kansas on the map. And now obviously Kansas is on the map. They're a, a blue blood <laughs> school. Um, but they, I mean, they missed a chance to to win it all in 2020 and i and i would have picked them to win it all um and now here we are two years later with a realistic chance for for bill self to get his his second national championship so um we got duke in the final four we got villanova in the final four we'll see what happens in sunday's game and then me and matt norlander will be back on sunday night shortly after uh, the second game concludes uh, to discuss, you know, what happened on Sunday and, and look ahead to the final four. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Away from the NCAA tournament, there was a big headline on Saturday out of Memphis. The Daily Memphian and the Commercial Appeal both obtained... Uh, copies of Memphis's notice of allegations. Um, not pretty. Four level one violations. Um, the notice of allegations that Memphis released, it, it is heavily redacted. So we remain light on details. But again, there are four level one violations. And and what we, we do know is that it, it alleges that Memphis, quote, failed to disclose and provide access to all personal devices, failed to timely produce requested and relevant documents and failed to protect the integrity of the investigation. Memphis is more or less accused of obstructing the investigation. If true, that's obviously bad. Strongjaw, as an Oklahoma State alum, you know what it's like to have NCAA issues. 
How concerned yeah. should Memphis fans be right now? Yeah, I was actually just thinking about this in the context of Oklahoma State. I would imagine that Memphis is going to be hit pretty hard. Um, probably a postseason ban, I would think, would be kind of the bar. Oklahoma State had a postseason ban. They had scholarship losses. They're on probation. And this was for a former assistant, Lamont Evans, who allegedly accepted like 18000 in in bribery money to use his influence to steer players to certain financial advisors. OSU fired him, um, but the NCAA said an aggravating factor in that case was Evans' decision not to cooperate. Oklahoma State cooperated in full with NCAA investigators, and they were still hit really, really hard. The fact that Memphis openly defied what is typically NCAA tradition, in this case being James Wiseman's eligibility questions, typically if that happens, a school holds out a player until they're able to clear it with the NCAA. Um, James Wiseman kept playing. James Weissman filed lawsuit. He got an injunction and he was able to keep playing. Now he only played in three games for Memphis. I'm not sure if you take that into account or not. Obviously the NCAA did not. Um, but Memphis's open defiance of NCAA norms, the fact that they did not properly preserve documents is how the NCAA put it. Mike Miller's hard drive was wiped. Um <laughs> It uh, it doesn't look good for Memphis. We, we will see, I guess, how this goes. The the Memphis case is obviously going through IARP. Oklahoma State's case did not go through IARP. Um, but this this looks pretty grim for for Penny Hardaway, who was the only uh, individual mentioned in the case, and and for Memphis too. I would imagine they're going to be facing some pretty stiff penalties, and I'm curious to see how they handle uh, Memphis and and also Penny Hardaway as well. The frustrating thing is that this is all just so stupid and something that was totally avoidable had Memphis just done what literally every school besides Memphis, I think, would have done when it was told James Wiseman had eligibility problems. All Memphis had to do is exactly what, you ready for this? Kentucky once did with Ennis Cantor. What Kansas once did with Billy Preston and Sylvia D'Souza. What Louisville once did with Brian Bowen. What Syracuse once did with Fab Mello. What Carolina once did with P.J. Harrison. What Auburn once did with Austin Wiley and Danielle Purifoy. You know, as I explained in a column back in 2019 that you reminded me of, Kyle. I forgot I'd written it. <laughs> but you tweeted and I saw it. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I was like, let me read it and see how this holds up. I was like, oh, really wow, well. this, holds up, this holds up really well. Yeah. As I explained in the column back in 2019, when eligibility issues arose with each of those players at some of the biggest schools in college basketball, that's the thing Memphis fans get caught up on sometimes. Oh, they're only doing this to Memphis. They wouldn't do this to Kansas. They literally have done it to Kansas multiple times. They wouldn't do this to Kentucky. They did it to Kentucky. Well, they wouldn't do this to North Carolina. They did it to North Carolina. You guys don't have Google? As I explained back in 2019, when eligibility issues arose with each of those programs, the players were withheld from competition until the issues were resolved, period. In some cases, they were never resolved favorably. 
And his Cantor never played for Kentucky. Billy Preston never played for Kansas. But James Wiseman was always going to be able to play for Memphis eventually. All Memphis had to do was rule him ineligible and then apply for reinstatement instead of playing in those first three games. And I know that people sometimes bring up, well, he got an injunction. You know, he went to court and got an injunction. Okay. He got an injunction. All that meant was that he couldn't be ruled ineligible. It didn't mean he had to play. There was no court or judge that could make Penny Hardaway turn in a certain starting lineup. No judge can make you – like, if I get an injunction, can I start for Memphis? What are you talking about? This is the thing that some Memphis fans just still cannot understand. Holy God. Just because he got an injunction doesn't mean he had to play. You didn't have to play it. All Memphis had to do is rule him ineligible, sit him out, and then apply for reinstatement. It would have likely resulted in a nine-game suspension. That's it. Instead, Memphis was like, Leroy Jenkins. They just ran in. Decided to play James Wiseman in defiance of the NCAA. It was stupid for a lot of reasons. But mostly because it triggered an infractions case that allowed investigators to look at everything. So they did. And now Memphis is charged with four level one violations. In a move that seemed dumb to anybody who understands how these things go. The Memphis president, emboldened by Memphis fans on Twitter and message boards who aren't nearly as smart when it, at least when it comes to these things, as much as they are passionate when it comes to everything. The Memphis president decided the school should fight the NCAA. We're going to fight them. Okay. Okay. Well, how, how's that going? You, you enjoying this fight? Instead of just doing the smart thing and sitting James Wiseman for what would have been nine games, you played him in defiance of the NCAA, which eventually led to a 12-game suspension, which eventually led to James Wiseman quitting the team the week before Christmas. You never even got the benefit from him. And now you spent who knows how much money on lawyers fighting this stupid fight, and now you're facing the possibility of major sanctions, among them a postseason ban, scholarship reductions, and a suspension for your head coach. Yep. There is. How's your fight there, going? There Let me ask long, you this. Yeah, go ahead. Memphis fans remain mad to this moment at the NCAA. And I get it. It's easy to hate the NCAA. But shouldn't Memphis fans actually be mad at the Memphis employees who decided to go down this foolish path rather than just do the only smart thing there was to do under those circumstances? And I want to be very clear. This is not revisionist history. On the day that it became known publicly that James Wiseman had eligibility issues and it was reported that Memphis was going to play him anyway, you can go pull the tapes. I said, this is idiotic. Like this is this is a mistake. They should not be doing this. And I got turned into the bad guy. Oh, you're just a hater. No, I'm just not stupid. You know, I'm just not dumb. You know, I and like some of the Memphis media got caught up in it too. I mean, people I'm friends with, 
They got caught up in it too. Oh, fight the NCAA. F the NCAA. You got to go fight. Okay. Go fight. See how that goes. You're being foolish and short-sighted. And now here we are. Why shouldn't Memphis fans be more upset with the people who put Memphis in this position for no good reason rather than the NCAA, which was just doing what it's done many times throughout its history, including to the biggest programs in the sport like Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina, Syracuse, Louisville, on down the line. There's a long history of teams or programs having success by simply denying allegations to the NCAA or outright fighting allegations by the NCAA by simply denying um there's there's really not a history of programs like memphis that are successful in completely thumbing your nose at the NCAA and that's really what memphis did in this case the they completely ignored again just basic norms basic things that programs typically do when there's an eligibility issue and instead of being patient they decided to fight and instead of you know maybe Weissman serves a nine game suspension and that's that now Memphis has a significant infractions case on its hand <laughs> significant and even in the moment to know that it was wrong that you called it out and I'm, and I don't mean to pump you up a little bit but reading that column again earlier today it it is hilarious at how predictable this was how avoidable it was for memphis and even in the moment it almost felt like okay well maybe memphis knows something that we don't because why else would they be doing this that was not the case at all they they knew what we knew and still they made the wrong decision and clearly they're going to be paying for this the question is is how much um I'm again I'm curious to see how they handle this case because this is an IARP case um and we we don't have a lot of experience with how these cases are handled but I am pretty confident that Memphis is going to going to get hit pretty hard um with some sort of sanctions probably scholarship losses I would imagine a postseason ban I would imagine several years probation Hardaway is probably going to serve some sort of suspension is my guess. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a significant infractions case that for the most part feels like it was pretty avoidable. Well, the, the, the dumb, like there's a whole lot of dumb parts to this. Like almost every yeah. part of it is dumb, but like the dumbest part is this isn't even one of those deals where the NCAA came in and said, Hey, we think you did this thing. Now this player has an eligibility problem and you need to hold him out until we can resolve this. And Memphis is like, well, that thing didn't happen, and we'll fight you on it because it just didn't happen. So let's fight. They had already agreed on the facts of the case. The NCAA had already said, hey, we think the mom got some money from Penny Hardaway when Penny was the head coach at East High School and James Wiseman was a player at East High School. You know, and Memphis was like, yeah, yeah, that happened. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it went exactly like that, but my point is they all agreed on what happened. Like Memphis has never denied that Penny Hardaway gave Jay Weinsman's mom money. So they agreed on the facts of the case. Memphis was just like, well, okay, yeah, that happened, but you shouldn't punish us for that. Let's fight. I mean, 
pick a fight where you can at least try to say didn't happen. Like the fight North Carolina picked with the NCAA. Like at least they had a fighting chance. That's how they won. Because based on how the rule book is written, they were like, hey, there's a loophole here. We might be able to actually fight our way out of this. For Memphis, you can't agree that what the NCAA said happened, happened, but then want to fight about it. Like, what are you even doing? And when you decide to fight about it, by fight about it, I mean play James Wiseman in defiance of the NCAA. You trigger an infractions case and you open yourself up to an investigation that is not limited to James Wiseman. Once they are on your campus, they can look at whatever they want to look at. Coaches have been talking about this for as long as I've been doing this. Last thing you want to do is give the NCAA a reason to come on your campus because they'll come on your campus looking for one thing and they'll find 50 other things. And now you got a bad problem. Don't ever let them on your campus looking at one thing because it won't be that thing that gets you. It'll be everything else. And now here's Memphis getting charged with all these things that don't technically have much to do or anything to do with James Wiseman. It'd be like, imagine you're in a car and you get pulled over for like no turn signal. Cop pulls you over. Uh, Officer, uh, what's the problem? Well, you didn't turn your turn signal on. You took a right. Okay. So I'm going to have to write you a ticket for that. Well, I'm not taking your ticket. Well, it's just like a, you know, it's a minor ticket. It's not that big of a deal. You should just take the ticket. I'm not taking the ticket. I'll take that ticket, throw it right back in your face. Oh, okay. Well, like if you do that, then I'm going to have to arrest you. Well, watch this. Cause if you try to give me that ticket, I'm throwing it back in your face. Well, then I'm going to have to arrest you. Then we'll put you in handcuffs. And then we're going to search your car. Well, then that's just what you're going to have to do. Cause I'm fighting you on this very minor thing. So then they put you in handcuffs, they search your car, and you got three kilos of coke in the trunk. Now you're dealing with a felony charge. It's like, why would you want the cops to search your car when you got three kilos of coke in the trunk? What are you? Why would you invite that? Why wouldn't you just take your little minor turn signal ticket and be done with this? And that's perhaps not a perfect analogy, but you get the point. Memphis could have taken a little ticket. The ticket would have been a nine-game suspension for James Wiseman. No infractions case, no investigation. It would have been done. But you'd say, I'm not taking this little ticket. I'll throw it back in your face. We're going to fight with you. Hashtag free James Wiseman. I'm an idiot. All right. Well, now we're going to come look at everything we can look at. And, oh, now we just found a computer wiped clean. We can't get a hold of the uh, uh, cell phones the way we want to get a hold of them. We don't feel like you've been cooperating the way we think you should, and now you're facing all sorts of stuff. What were you doing? I mean, it. what were you doing? It's just so dumb. That's the part that's frustrating. It's so dumb, and too many of the Memphis fans still to this moment can't recognize how dumb it was or why it was dumb. I think most of them do. To their credit, I think most of them do, but not all of them. All of, some of them are still... They think it's a NCAA out to get them or whatever. No, the NCAA wasn't out to get you. You went and threw an egg through the front window of a police station. Nobody was out to get you. But when you do what you did, well, now they're coming for you. It's just hilarious how truly avoidable this was. And I think Memphis's inexperience, uh, specifically with the administration in any NCAA cases probably showed itself in just an ugly way memphis would not make the same mistake if the same situation arose this tomorrow um but you certainly learned your lesson the hard way and it's again it's it's going to be pretty nasty i would imagine 
um, for for Penny for the program, and the same people who were tweeting hashtag free James Wiseman are probably going to be the people who are complaining loudest about the penalties that this program is up against. That's the way it usually works. Before we get out of here, let me ask you a question. Are your go-to game day foods feeling uninspired? Next time, skip the usual suspects and order Jersey Mike's. At Jersey Mike's, they make every sub to order with premium fresh sliced meat and cheesesteaks to cook on a flat-top grill. Download the app for delivery curbside or in-store pickup. Jersey Mike's, proud sponsor of the Naismith Award and a proud maker of a sub above. Strong job, like I said earlier. Um, CBS Sports, we have to turn in our player of the year ballots on Monday. Can you justify a first place vote for anybody other than Oscar Shibwe? Not that, not will you vote for anybody other than Oscar? Could you even do it without sounding silly? I think you could. I actually think you could make a case for Keegan Murray. I really do. Um, I did not vote for Keegan Murray. I voted for Oscar Shibwe, but Keegan Murray was awesome down the stretch for Iowa. He was really good all season anyway, but I mean, he, the way that he carried Iowa in the big 10 tournament, um, obviously Iowa was, was out early in the NCAA tournament, but I think you could reasonably make a case that he could be number one on the ballot. He was number two on my ballot. I think Oscar Shibwe is going to end up being something close to the unanimous number one on all of our ballots. Uh, but I think there's a clear number one and number two in my eyes. And it's, Shibway and Murray. That will be my ballot as well. Oscar Shibway one, Keegan Murray two, and then we'll see where it goes after there. Is it Johnny Davis? Is it Ochai Abaji? Like, I actually thought there was a scenario after Oscar lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, given that we don't vote until after the Elite Eight games are done, that there was a scenario where Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray could maybe have like a Kimba Walker type run through this thing, get Wisconsin or Iowa to the elite eight or final four. And now we got something to talk about, but Keegan Murray lost in the first round too. And Johnny Davis lost in the second round. I looked at Ochai Abaji. Cause like, you know, barring upset on Sunday, Kansas will be in the final four, but like, it's just not there. I mean, he's averaging 18.9 points, 5.2 rebounds for a Kansas team. That is at this moment, one went away from the final four. He's been great but he hasn't been great in this NCAA tournament. He hasn't been KU's best player. That's been Remy Martin. Ochai is averaging only 10.1 points in the tournament so far. So for him to like make us think about it, he would have had to been consistently great in this NCAA tournament while Kansas advanced to the Final Four. And Kansas might go to the Final Four, but he hasn't been consistently great. So yeah, I think it's going to be basically unanimous everywhere. Um, when you look at the CBS Sports National Player of the Year or the Naismith National Player of the Year, what you're going to see is um, Oscar Shibwe, who had in a terrific season, I mean, a historically great season, but one that ended on just the yuckiest note you can end on, you know, as a as a the star of a two seed losing to a 15. And I know that 15 has now advanced all the way to the lead eight to become the first 15 seed ever to get that far in the tournament. But still, that's a that's a that's one that still stings. I don't think St. Peter's success after Kentucky lost to them makes that sting any less for UK fans. Maybe it does for some, but I don't see how it would. No, no. And are we sleeping on Doug Eddard? 
for Naismith Player of the Year. Might need to look at it. Might need Makes to look at it. Yeah, Peacock's well, like, in the Elite I, Eight. Well, we were on Inside, uh, I think it's called March Madness 360, but like we were on CBS Sports Network earlier in the day, and Brent Stover you know, sort of wondered like, okay, if you really don't vote until after the Elite Eight, because most Coach of the Year awards are decided already. And, you know, some of them like after, like before the NCAA tournament even starts. But Stove, you know, he, he pointed out, he said, um, okay, if you really don't vote until the after the Elite Eight and you take everything into consideration, St. Peter's beats North Carolina on Sunday. Shaheen Holloway, National Coach of the Year. And... I mean, I guess you could make the case. I would still go Kelvin Sampson just based on the entire body of work. But, like, Shaheen is one win away from taking St. Peter's to the Final Four. That's outrageous. Yeah, and it and it doesn't feel like – I mean, if you wanted to vote for Shaheen, it doesn't feel like it'd be recency biased. You're looking at the grand scheme of things. I mean, taking St. Peter's to the Final Four would just be, I mean, one of the most remarkable accomplishments in all of college basketball this season? I mean... Well, like, no, like, I'll take it a step further. It would be the most remarkable accomplishment. I mean, I don't want to get hyperbolic here, but... Do it. But I will. The most remarkable accomplishment in the history of Division I men's basketball. Yeah. I mean, getting... The fact that no 15 seed's ever even been to the Elite Eight, and if he were to take it to the Final Four, I mean, I know you can argue Butler going to -to back-to-back title games was it like something we've never seen. And you could argue that that doing that is more likely than a 15 seed just punching all the way through one year to the uh, final four. But I don't know. I mean, I'll just keep it simple. A 15 seed has never gone to the elite eight and uh, you know, Shaheen Holloway might be able to take it to the final four. That would be uh, literally unprecedented and yep. possibly the greatest achievement by a quote-unquote mid-major slash low-major in the in the history of the sport. It's been an awesome NCAA tournament. I mean, not for really Kentucky has. fans, I know. But, um, you know, I, I know, like, we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday yet, but there is a chance we get a Final Four with Duke, Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. I mean, that's it's pretty good. Well, it's four... Blue Blood programs. I was about to say four Hall of Fame coaches, but Hubert Davis is just in his first year as a head coach. But it would be like Hall of Fame coach Mike Krzyzewski, Hall of Fame coach Bill Self, Hall of Fame coach Jay Wright, and a first-year coach at his alma mater who lost a pit in February and was on the wrong side of the bubble when that happened. So, like, you know, you it, it's hard to do better. I guess I'd put it this way. If you're a television executive – and you were tra- drawing up possibilities before this tournament even got started. If somebody told you, you can let it play out, you can let it play out, just see what happens. Or right now I can give you Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Villanova. You'd be like, nope, I'll just take Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Villanova. We good. Give me that. We got a chance to, and I'm not trying to remove St. Peter's and Miami from the thing. It's going to be final four be awesome no matter what. But yeah. like Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, that's, uh, that's some heavy hitters. And and with three of the number one seeds already out of the NCAA tournament, it still feels pretty awesome. This tournament has been really, really good. There's been a lot of storylines. I don't actually believe there's been any buzzer beaters, but there's been a lot of really close games. Uh, there's been Cinderella's, I mean, double-digit seeds in the, in the contention to make it to the Final Four. This tournament has been 
kind of awesome. Uh, it's given us a little bit of everything. So can't wait to uh, see what the final four field is going to look like after Sunday's action. All right, let's work on getting to bed. I got a 10 a.m. call time in the morning. That's going to be a rough one. I mean, getting up at nine. I mean, well, you got to get up at nine. Here's the problem. What, yeah. Well, what, once I do this, I don't go to sleep. Like, I'm not. I say, let's try to get to sleep. I won't be asleep till 4 a.m. I just can't sleep. I'm on a schedule now where I'm staying up to between four and five every night. That's What's your, not healthy. Uh, what are you doing? Are you on your phone? You're watching like. No, I'm not watching anything. I like get, I get work done. I like start. I'm working on. I'm I'm in the process of compiling projected rosters for the preseason top 25 and one. Boy, is that a nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, in fact, like it's never, I was talking to John Rothstein about this earlier. It's never been more difficult because um, players that would otherwise just leave because, Hey, I don't care if I'm going to be in the NBA, I'll go overseas. Are they, do do you want to go overseas right now? There's a war going on in Europe. So there's that, that might push you back to school. Name, image, and likeness rights might push you back to school. And then, like almost everybody is eligible to come back to school because yeah. of the extra COVID year. So you can't just go, well, he played four years. He's done. Like there's some guy like Colin Gillespie. He's done. We know that the five-year guys are done, but the four-year guys have another year left if they want it. So like, how do you work through all that? Stressful. It's a stressful situation. It's a conundrum. People so that's what I've been the doing. Transfer portal, but still can come back to school. People are entering a- the transfer portal and leaving. You it's can enter the mess. NBA draft, but return. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. I get you. It's so when mess. you get your when you get your Cindy Sweeney time in, is it over? I think it's over for now. Euphoria's okay. done. You're caught up. And of course, I'm caught up. Okay, all right. I watch. I watch the final episode live. My apologies. It's, you don't have to apologize. Now I'm now my attention is totally focused on Atlanta season three. Atlanta, okay. But it's on FX. Just started season three. Yeah. First two episodes of season three dropped on FX uh, Wednesday. Caught up on that, and so now I'm uh, I'm just working on rosters every night. You seen so Righteous Jim Jones? I'm behind on it. Okay. I love season one, and then when it started in season two, and I think it lined up with Euphoria. I think it was every Sunday night Euphoria yeah. and Righteous Jim Jones, and I just didn't have time to watch both. Sydney yeah. Sweeney's in one of them. She's not in the other. So I decided I, to watch Euphoria. I got to get caught up on Righteous Gemstones. I le- do you recommend season two? I am on season one. I just started. Oh, so well, that, yeah. that's great. Season one's yeah. great. And I'm sure season two is great. Um, yeah, that that's it's too much. It's a real problem in college basketball season. I get way behind on my TV. I don't yeah, have time too. to watch much of it. I actually get stressed out about not about being behind on television shows it like makes me i feel like i'm like getting lazy but i realize watching them would actually be the lazy thing <laughs> like not having time to watch them is not lazy but i feel lazy because i feel like i'm behind it's a conundrum there, there, there's a few shows that like you absolutely have to be in lockstep with everyone while watching um, right ga- like game of thrones was like that if you're not right. watching it live like you're out of loop so right yeah i get that Euphoria almost got like that because there was a lot of online buzz about it. So I don't know. Like, here's what I know. April 5th, the season's over. And I will spend the next subsequent month getting caught up on everything I need to get caught up. That's a promise. That's a promise from me to myself. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, Chester, South Carolina. (laughs) Shouts to Jerome Lambert. 
the 6'8 legend, actually averaged 18 and a half points for Baylor in the 1993-94 season and then transferred. Do you know this? Transferred to Oklahoma State to finish his college career. Oh, wow. Jerome Lambert. Jerome Lambert. Averaged 18 and a half points at Baylor and then decided he wanted to live Waco? You'd leave it? Seems like a mistake. But you ever been to Stillwater, though? I mean, shoot. Of course I've been to Stillwater. What's that <laughs> bar everybody goes to in Stillwater? It's the cliche bar, but everybody goes to it. And... Eskimo Joe's? Yeah. Yeah. I've drink beer there. Cheese fries? I yeah. think probably. It sounds like something I would get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts to Laura now. Thank you guys once again. Listen to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. At Apple, please leave a nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't let them trick you. Don't let them shame you. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe it'd be a big favor to us like i said earlier after the two games on sunday are concluded dead leg and i will be here and we'll talk through uh, what happened in sunday's uh, elite eight games and then look ahead to the final four in new orleans so we'll see you on sunday night till then take care Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.